Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. To do a little better this evening than we did this morning. I don't know how that'll work, but we'll give it a give it a shot. We'll stay in the book of Ephesians this afternoon in chapter number two. We're still continuing to deal uh, with this doctrine of the church. And uh, this morning we have spent some time trying to identify the fact that we are simply the body that is joined to the head, understanding that without that head, uh, we can do nothing. Uh, Pastor Rick Safert said years ago the verse of Scripture that he tries to disprove daily is John 15, 5. And that verse says, without me you can do nothing. And he said, in my flesh I always feel like I can prove that verse wrong. He said, but I've never lived a day yet that I have found that scripture to be wrong in any way, any form. Uh, in particular, that verse is dealing with a vineyard, talking about a vine and branches, and a vine that has been severed, or a, a branch that has been severed from the vineyard, vine rather, uh, will die, and it will be cast into the fire and burned up and be of no account. So it is necessary that we uh, understand that we are simply part of a body, one that Paul said had many members, uh, but just one head and one body. If we come to chapter number two, Paul uh, is really continuing the thought that he began in chapter one of the church, and he is uh, somewhat reminded uh, the readers that uh, we were quickened, that there was a day when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. He calls the church to remember in verse 11. Uh, who they were in time past as Gentiles and, and uh, the uncircumcision and all the things uh, that we once were. He said we were aliens from the commonwealth. And uh, all of these uh, different things that should be uh, reminders in our daily life. And I, I don't know about you, but it doesn't take... Uh, I can be up out of the bed for five or ten minutes and be reminded of who I really am uh, in the flesh. It doesn't take long to remind me who I once was. Uh, but as Paul does so greatly in the Scripture, he doesn't leave us in the negative. He doesn't leave us remembering uh, how sorry we are and how fleshly we are. He doesn't leave us clamoring around uh, looking for hope and looking uh, for a way to be better. But instead, in that, in that memory of who we are, Paul reminds us of, of what we are now. In Christ Jesus, in verse 13, he said that in Jesus Christ, ye who sometimes were afar off uh, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And this body that you and I are a part of, uh, sometimes we are reminded who we are and other times we have to be reminded of whom we are. Yes. And I am thankful that Paul does that and doesn't leave us in the negativity of the law and in the negativity of, of sin and failure. But he says that Christ has made us not. This beautiful doctrine of reconciliation is given to us in this chapter. 
those who were at enmity with God, those who were the enemies of God, have been made the friends of God. And that's you and I. That's this church. That's this body that we're talking about and that we belong to. God could have just as easily wiped us off of the face of this planet, uh, sent us to hell for who we are, uh, not, not ten years ago, right now. He could, sit, he could wipe us off the face of this planet right now and be justified in doing so. But aren't you glad He took an enemy and made us a friend, made us part of His family, made us part of this body that you and I are in. And and again, as he comes down through, he talks about God breaking down that middle wall of partition that was between us. And in our text this afternoon, verse 19, he said, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the day, for another privilege to stand. Help us, Lord, to say something this afternoon that would be helpful to your people, encouraging, Lord, to the church, edifying to the church, and, Lord, exalting of your Son. I pray again you'd give us clarity of mind. I pray you'd give us clear understanding of the Scriptures. And, Lord, that that would be the priority of the day is your precious Word. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, with that being said and that memory, uh, that memory of who that we were uh, before Christ, uh, Paul reminds us now uh, that we are no longer uh, strangers and foreigners. We are no more a part of that Gentile world that was hated by the Jews. No longer are we considered those dogs that were useless and worthless. Uh, and we're no longer foreigners or aliens to the world in which we live. Uh, but because of Christ and because of His work and bringing us into His body, uh, we are now are considered uh, to be fellow citizens in Christ. He has taken uh, His blood and He has made of two people one person, one body uh, that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. And these are things that only Christ can do. Uh, we are not considered to be second-class citizens any longer. But in God's kingdom, uh, that we are not only full citizens, but we are full and equal members of the household of God. Uh, we belong to Him. He has adopted us into the household of God as adult children who have rights and equality uh, to all the things that the Son of God has. He has taken uh, what once was afar off according to the Scriptures. He has taken a people that deserved hell. He has made us a part of the body. But according to our text today, uh, the old children's song that is sung for so many years, He's still working on me. He's still, He's still, He's still building His church. He is still bringing together people from various backgrounds and various places in this world. And He is fitting together 
a body that pleases Him and a body that will accomplish His purpose from the foundation of the world. If you read on in the book of Ephesians, He tells us that this, this church, this body, He said this is part of the purpose of God. All through the Old Testament and all through the law and the Mosaic law and all of the covenants of the Old Testament, we were working toward this body and this entity, this vineyard, uh, this household of faith, uh, all of these examples that we've given you, we were working toward the church, the bride of Christ, putting together the people that Ephesians 1 says that He had chosen before the foundations of the world had ever come together. He's bringing it together and building to Himself what He intended in the beginning when all of this come about. He said we are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household and we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That that particular foundation, Paul tells us uh, even later on when he refers to himself as a wise master builder, he tells us clearly that the foundation uh, that we are building on is the is the, the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because we are one body and we have the same access to God, it also follows that we are built upon this common foundation, which is Christ. Yes. We are all built together on one foundation for one purpose, and that purpose is to honor and glorify God through the church. This foundation, it's the original foundation. It's not something new. We hear all kinds of new types of teaching and, and new doctrine in the days that we live. This charismatic movement that sweeps the land. I mean, all kinds of prosperity gospel. Uh, you name it, friend. There is something out there in this day for everybody. But there is only one foundation for the true body and building of, Christ, of, of God, and that is Christ, the originator of His church. That foundation is the original. He makes reference to the apostles and to the prophets and to that, uh, uh, that enduring revelation that the New Testament gives us, uh, gives us record of. And may no one ever lay any other foundation is what, what Scripture teaches us. He said, let no man lay any other foundation. Now, I was reading here uh, in one of these commentaries and talking about some of, the different, uh, some of the different reformers and things of days gone by, talking about the prophets and the apostles. And uh, he says that uh, the prophets mentioned as the Old Testament prophets, he said it's better to see them as New Testament prophets Perhaps authors of the books were, who were strictly members of the core apostolic group. And we need to understand uh, that what this has done is in a sense it's laid the foundation of supremely authoritative revelation for all God's people. There are no more apostles and prophets of our day. Why? Because that foundation has already been laid. It has already been set through their teaching and through their doctrine. And friend, you and I are just building on what's already there or we're being used by God to build His church and to make it into 
what it is that He would have it to be. The foundation is set, and in a lesser sense, there may be apostles and prophets in some ways, but not the way that Paul is referencing here. I'm, I'm completely against this idea of apostles in our day because we've not seen Christ in a physical presence. Right. Prophets, I think, may exist in the fact that we are forth telling the Word of God, not predicting or foretelling anything. But the reality is the way that Paul is referencing them here, he's not saying in any way that there will be continuation of apostles and prophets, but that the foundation of Jesus Christ has been laid and Christ Himself is the chief cornerstone. Now, interesting uh, about the chief cornerstone uh, that David Guzik refers to, it literally means the tip of the angle. It refers to the capstone or the building stone that holds the entire structure together. Without it, in most cases, uh, the cornerstone in the old days was not necessarily the capstone as it's referred to here, but it was the, it was the bottom cornerstone of the entire building but nonetheless it was the part or the piece of the building that caused the rest of the building to remain stable and to be able to withstand whatever would come against that building whether it be wind rain whatever it may be it was the strength of the building. And Paul says in our text that we are built upon that foundation of the apostles and prophets, but Christ Himself is the very thing that brings unity to the building or to the body or to the church or whatever way we refer to the church. Now, I've looked through 1 Corinthians, as I said earlier, for almost a year now that I've been preaching through that book. And I cannot go one verse without understanding that in this divided church of Corinth, in that divided church that Paul dealt with every problem that was written to him about or every problem that was reported to him. And in every problem, the solution that Paul gave was that we should unite as believers around the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That if we are going to fix the division, if we are going to build any further on what we already have, it will happen when we put Christ at the corner or the center or the part that unites us together as bodies of believers. If we put Him where He belongs, then He will build on what He has already started. He said very clearly that that cornerstone, he said, in whom the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple unto the Lord. In whom, not on whom, but in whom Christ, the building fitly comes together. When we are centering, when we are focusing, when we are looking, as Brother Jeff said, at this book from beginning to end as being the historic, redemptive work of Christ, the story of a Savior coming to redeem a people that have fallen and deserve hell, but He sacrificed Himself in a substitutional way, friend, then we cannot help but be part of a building that is structurally stable in days that are shaking. There's, there's no way that we, should, that we should have worries about what's going to happen to the church. The church is built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and it will not falter. It is that simple because it is in Him 
that all the building is fitly framed together, that it is joined together in unity and in harmony, and without Him, we would be in shambles. Look, this common foundation, this whole building, as He says, of God's people, it grows together. It grows together. How does that happen? It happens as we come together week after week, Sunday after Sunday, small group after small group, lesson after lesson, around Christ, around His Word, around His principles, His doctrines, all of those things. When we come around that together as God's people, then we are growing together and the building is becoming what God would have it to be. Our problem is, if we're not careful, we will take an idea from a man or we will take an idea from a worldly institution. And that took place much in the church at Corinth. They were bringing the philosophies of men into the church. They were trying to accomplish things by their own means. They were trying to build their own personalities off of their gifts that God had given them. And they had forgotten the purpose of the gifts. They had forgotten the purpose of the church Altogether, and they had left Christ as the means of, of their success. And friend, they were divided and they were crumbling, but God brought them a man to focus their attention back to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This building is fitly framed together. It is put together in such a way, uh, as Scripture would tell us, that is beautiful and that it is a way that is producing a holy temple. You and I can understand this and relate to this from Old Testament, and the Jews and Gentiles of that day would also be able to relate to this, understanding that the holy temple is the place where that God dwelled. It's the place where God would make His home, where God would abide with men, where God would visit on a regular basis, and where they knew that when anything else was going on around them, that they could come into the temple of God and experience the presence of God, and in those moments, relieve the stress, relieve the anxieties, relieve the discouragements, get forgiveness for their sins. In those moments, it was a place of beauty and a place of trust. This simply tells us that Christ, uh, that the church rather, is a building that is perfectly designed. It is a building that is put together by an architect who knows what he's doing. It's put together by someone who's not just guessing which piece goes where and what piece is designed for this area. We men are pretty bad to try to assemble things without the instructions. The older I get, the more I lean on the directions and the more I lean on what it says. But as a young man, I was pretty proud when I got something together and had parts left over. And it even looked like the picture, you know. But the reality is, God is not operating that way. He's not just picking parts out of a pile and trying to make a piece of artwork that is abstract or is somehow messed up or distorted in the way when it comes together at the end. But God has a picture and He has a plan of what His church is to be. And He's building that church. And every part of the body has a place and it fits perfectly in its place. You may not belong 
You may not belong somewhere else down the road uh, that does things differently. You might not like where I pastor and how I preach. You may not like the, the loudness or the movement or all of the things that come with that. Brother Jeff was talking about charisma. I have much more of it stored up in here that I could let out, but we're a small crowd in a small room and I'm trying to contain as much as I can. But the reality is you may not fit in some of those areas, but God has not picked you to fit in every area. Right. He's picked you to fit in this place at this time for this purpose and for His glory in that moment. Yes, yes. There's a lot of places I don't fit. There's a lot of preachers that don't fit my ears right when I hear them. Not because they're bad preachers, but because I have trouble hearing and listening. If, if an accent's wrong or if, or if they're too quiet or too monotone, I may go to sleep like some of y'all are. Amen? But the reality is, the reality is we're all different, but we fit together in the building of God perfectly. Right. Perfectly. Right where, uh, right where there's a little a gap in the, in the wall, God says, I have a piece that works just fine right there. And He said, that piece may miss and it may not. It's not going to affect the rest of the building so much because Christ is what's holding it all together. But He said, when I fit you there, you're going to fit perfectly there and you are going to help complete the building that I am putting together. And it is only through Christ that makes you fit. Right. Right. It is not because... Listen, I wish I could get people to understand this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I've mentioned already a couple of times today, but they are arguing over whose gift is better, whose gift is more impressive, whose gift uh, gets them further with God. And the reality is they were concentrating on themselves and right. the abilities that God had given them and what it would do to promote them further in the church when the reality is this. It, that gift means nothing if it's not in Him. It means nothing if it's not about Christ. The purpose of God granting things to certain people is for His glory and for the good of the church and building what He is trying to build. But we are demonstrating in our, in our personal lives sometimes that we are more about ourselves than we are about being in Him and being in whom fits all things together. I've said for years, it's been obvious to me at times that certain people didn't like me. It's been obvious that certain people didn't like my style of preaching this, that, or the other. But what I have learned is that we're all going to go to heaven in the same place by the same Savior. I say we're all going to. I hope they get there. Amen. I hope they make it. But the truth is, I've even said, I hope, I hope God puts some of, their, some of their mansions right next to mine because they've spent all their lifetime hating me. I hope they'll, I hope they'll have to love me in eternity because the building is fitly framed together and sometimes it comes with people who don't always shuck and jive like we do right. who don't gee and haw the same way that we do but it's fitly joined together to grow unto a holy temple yes, yeah. and to grow into a holy temple I don't know I don't know how y'all thought three years ago when I think 10 people signed the charter and the church started. I don't know where, where you thought you'd be in three years. 
But three years later, we sat in a full building this morning with about 47 people here that were worshiping together. God isn't always going to put all the pieces together at the same time, but He will He will fitly frame together a building that will grow unto a holy temple to the Lord. It will grow to a place where God will dwell in unity with His people for His purpose. He said, "...in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God, for a dwelling of God, for Him not only just to pass by on occasion, but for Him to come and make His abode among His people." And said He would do that through the Spirit of God. It tells us that the church is a place where God lives. It is a place where God comes in. It could be an empty house. It could be a place where you wouldn't think anything about it. It could be a building uh, in a storefront on on uh, Highway 29 where God says, I'm going to come in and I'm going to take this place where believers have come together, where they have been fitly joined. And He said, I'm going to make it a habitation, a dwelling place, a place where my people know they can come and meet with me and, and feel my presence. Listen, the reality is without God dwelling in the place, it's just simply a building with no one living inside. But with Christ and in Christ, we in the church, we are part of a building that is living whether we're meeting in the parking lot outside or whether we're meeting somewhere at the end of a dirt road. It is the building of God that He is putting together for the purpose that He may dwell there. As as you go through 1 Corinthians, there's much talk about the body and much talk about our bodies being the dwelling place of God. It dawned on me preaching through that, that this letter was to the church, not to an individual. And he said, your body is the temple of God. He's not, And certainly the application applies to us individually, but our body is this. We've come together with a local body of believers. And he's telling the Corinthian people, your body is the temple of God. Your church, your dwelling place, your place of worship is the place where God will dwell and meet with you and encourage you. Listen, Guzik says this, he said, when Solomon's temple was built, the stones were prepared far away from where the building was. First Kings tells us that, that you couldn't even hear the sound of the hammer or the axe while the stones were being cut out. In many ways, that's very similar to how God works and puts His building together. Yes. Somewhere right now, God's working on a piece that will fit right here in the future. Yes. Somewhere right now, God is hammering out somebody's heart and hammering out somebody's physical uh, abilities and God is hammering out somebody's presence that will be fitting perfectly with the Gospel Way Baptist Church. And even greater than that, it will fit together with the church of the living God across the world and it will all be for His glory and for His honor. The Father, the Father 
makes choice of this house. The Son purchases it, and the Holy Ghost takes possession of it. I love that. God works out the process while Christ pays the payment and the Spirit of God draws us to Himself and puts us exactly where we belong. My grandson, well, I've got three of those now. My oldest grandson is a puzzle-working machine at three years old. He will carry... He will carry four or five puzzles in the room at one time and all their pieces not put together. All the pieces will be out separately. And he'll be sitting there working those puzzles two or three at one time and then all of a sudden he'll get up and he'll go to his room and he'll disappear and come back and say, I was missing this one. And he'll go find one piece that nobody knew where it was. Nobody even knew it was missing at this point. But he's sitting there working three puzzles at one time and realizes he's missing one piece and he's, he disappears and reappears with that one piece that's needed to complete three puzzles at once. Isn't that similar to how God works? We're, we're sitting here, we're just one of the pieces and we're in a jumbled up mess not knowing sometimes exactly where we even belong or how we even fit in to the plan of God. And all of a sudden God disappears and He runs off and He comes back with a piece that doesn't just complete my puzzle, but that putting that piece in its place completes my puzzle and puts a part of the puzzle into the Gospel Way Baptist Church at the same time that it completes something that's going on at Faith Baptist Church and God works all of this together so that He might have a habitation, a beautiful temple that's built together that's called the church. It's called the church. And He works us all together for our good and for His glory. God is, is working and He is building And I promise you, I promise you that He will not stop until the last piece of the puzzle is where it goes. Until the last piece, He will build His church. The the the, The Scripture that made the most sense to preach about God building His church certainly is from Matthew as he talks to Peter and he says, he says, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. He does not say, Thou art Peter, and, and Peter, you're going to build the church for me, but he said, On this rock I will build my church. Yes. He knows where every piece is, and none of those pieces are lost and out of his reach. None of those pieces are too damaged or destroyed to be used. Have you ever seen a puzzle piece that the, that the, the picture's been peeled off the front of it? Did you know that even when the picture's peeled off the front of it, it still fits in the place that it was designed to fit? When it's so maimed and so, so broken and so destroyed where it doesn't look like that it's any use to the puzzle, it still fits the place in the puzzle. Because that's what it was designed for. That's what it was cut out for. That was the purpose of that piece. 
And even God is able, or rather God is able even uh, with pieces that seem so damaged and so uh, destroyed that they cannot be used, God's still able to put them in their place and He will do so. That is the God yes. that we serve. That is the church that we belong to. That is the body that He is the head of. That is our Lord. That is our Savior. And as I've said for many years and said so many times, oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. That would take a broken, mauled, destroyed, discouraged, distracted human being such as I and save me and allow me to fit it ain't even just about, it ain't even about doing and getting any credit for doing. He just lets me fit. Yes. Did you know you people, some of you don't even know me and I've never even seen some of you before, but the reality is we fit. That's right. and, and we don't fit because of our common interests. We fit because of the common foundation. We fit because He designed us to work together. He designed us to grow together and become his habitation. This afternoon, my encouragement would simply be to know that you fit. You fit in the building that God is building, in the habitation that He is assembling. We fit together in these days. I used to think early in my ministry when I was mean and hateful and Thought I had to preach against everything that moved, and if it wasn't moving, I was supposed to kick it and make it move so I could <laughs> preach against it and, and tell people how mean and bad and hateful and, and ungodly and unholy they were. I've learned through the years that God's made us all to fit together Amen. in His Son, in Christ, in Christ. And some that don't even like fitting with other people, they're going to fit anyway because God made them to do so. Made them to do so. Listen, do you understand? I know you do because I know you got good preachers here. But do we, do we fully understand? We fully understand that God is working in such a manner that people who, who seemingly don't care, seemingly don't like us, He's going, He's going to one of these days make it all come together perfectly. Perfectly. Some days I don't know that I fully understand that and I don't know that I can fully wrap my mind around that. Some days I look at people and say, man, I wouldn't walk across the street to hear that guy preach. God may make me sit beside him at the table when we get to heaven. That's the reality because God's putting it together and He's building something not for us. He's not building this for us. That's one of our large mistakes in Scripture reading is thinking that this thing is about us. Right. None of it's about us. Right. He's building this for His own glory. Yes. For His own glory. Yes. One of these days when we all come together, I could call names of people that maybe I'll look down the table and say, Hey, old buddy, it's good to see you. Knowing that I didn't like him when he was alive. <laughs> You know, I, I don't know. That's all imagination right there. But the reality is it could be that very way. Yes. could be that way. People that I don't disagree with, we're arguing. Here's what I started to say. We're arguing over things that don't even matter. Right. 
Corinthians, they said, well, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. You know what Paul said? Is Christ divided? I didn't even know Christ was split up that way to where He's working through one man and not through another man. Listen, Paul said, Paul said, we're all one. He said, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. He said, this is about Christ. It's not about us. We can argue over translations of the Scripture. We can argue over Calvinism, Arminianism, we can argue over free will, we can argue over whether you lose your salvation or keep it forever, we can argue over all the things that are secondary issues, or we can just decide that we love Jesus and we want to join together with other people that love Jesus and serve Him. That's, that's the reality. I, some of those things, I don't care what you do. I don't care. I mean, it don't matter to me. Just know Jesus. If you're a believer, you're part of this body with me, and I'm part of the body with you. And we're we're to grow together to be a holy temple unto the Lord. You know those temples in those days were beautiful, immaculate, pleasing to look at. Solomon's temple was, according to what I've read in Scripture, was beyond belief in some, some areas. And... Uh, the church sometimes don't resemble beauty the way we act and the way we carry on. But Christ is building it. It's going to. So what do we do? We get over ourselves and let Him work us in where, where we go and then do, what, do our thing in our spot. Do our part in our spot. And God will accomplish His work. That's what God's given me today. And I I am so thankful. I'll say again, I am so thankful for this place. And I am so thankful uh, to be a little part of this place and what God is doing here. And uh, I'll never be able to express it in this life. Um, Jeffrey and I and and Cameron Dula, uh, if I thought he would hear it, I would remind him that he's not here today. Um, but we talk, we talk every day. We talk every day. And the encouragement that I get from this place because of that man will not ever be told until eternity. It, it, it can't be measured. The encouragement that comes out of this place that you don't even know about. That you don't even know about. But it's because of this place. It's because of the burden. It's because of the... It's because of God is joining a, a people together, fitly framing them together for a purpose. And it, it invests into my life every day. And I'm thankful for it. And I love you guys. And I appreciate, Brother Jeff, this opportunity to preach. You come on.